You are now listening to Ship Talk, a podcast about relationships, friendships, and all the shit in between. I'm Kareem, and after 15 years of dating, spanning 19 cities across the world, this podcast is my form of relationship therapy. And I'm Iman. Our 12-plus year friendship has led me to find my husband. Have I said thank you yet? No, you haven't. <laughs> but join us weekly on our journey as we explore all the ships. Hey everybody, um, welcome back to another episode in another week with me, Kareem, and Iman from Ship Talk. Um, happy to be back with you guys this week. Um, we'll be exploring the wonderful topic of being single, specifically the value of being single and uh, a little bit on how millennials are choosing to practice what sort of experts are calling slow love. Um, Maybe we'll get started. There's an article that we will link to um, the, the podcast episode, so you can take a, a read through as well. But it's a really interesting article, Iman, that you had shared called Why Only the Happy Single Find True Love. Um, and I'll sort of quote the uh, article, um, one of the quotes early on in the article that really resonated with me was, uh, quote, one of the most important principles of choosing a lover sensibly is not to feel in any hurry to make a choice. Being satisfied with being single is a precondition of satisfactory coupledom. Um, so I found this article really interesting because it refocuses the attention and the value on being single um, and how it's, it's a necessary step to finding a compatible long-term partner. So to kick things off, um, Iman, as the married one, uh, I'm going to ask you, did you... What do you remember about your time being single? Is it something that you really enjoyed or was it something that was like an uncomfortable placeholder that you were just hoping to to, to get rid of or, or shed yourself from um, whenever the next relationship popped up? Only because it was that idea that my prospects were so slim, I realized who was the type of person I was looking for. And like looking in the field of the people around me, I just was like, this is probably not going to happen. And rather than kind of using that time to maybe work on myself a little bit, I was just one of those like grumpy single people who was like, oh, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Um, and it, did work out because when I did meet my husband, I was on this whole, like, I'm never dating anybody again. So my emphasis wasn't on finding someone. I was just more so like, okay, what does this chapter look like for me? What does it mean to like truly kind of be Iman? And I use that time to hang out with people like you, going to cool places, meeting different people. And he fell into my lap conveniently. And I always say to people whenever they're like, oh, I'm single, this sucks. I always say like, you're going to find someone when you're not looking for it because your emphasis is not on like who, where I need to be with somebody. It's kind of like, I'm going with the flow. If it happens, it happens. And it always, from experience, always does happen. So yeah, single for me was a mixture of like, this sucks also being a hopeless romantic, also blaming R&B songs and all of the movies I watched. <laughs> I was just like, when am I going to have my little fantasy? But yeah, I don't know. It was a mixture. What about you? I mean, you're currently single. So 
how how has no. single life been for you? Um, it's an interesting question. I think for me, um, especially as I've gotten older, and now that I, I I sort of have my own space in terms of living on my own, the last six to eight years, I enjoy my own company so much more. Um, so I sort of look at dating now, where it's like I love the life I've built for myself. I love my my home space. I think very deeply about bringing somebody in, right? So the idea is, and maybe I'll put it a different way. I'm not looking to jump into a relationship to sort of, like, it should be additive. That's probably a better way of putting it, right? You don't want to bring somebody into your life, into your ecosystem that um, makes your life less enjoyable than than it is right now being single. Um, so for me, it's sort of, I'm comfortable with where I am. I don't think I ever echo statements like, um, I'm single, this sucks blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I'm i going to maybe ask you, I'm curious if you think there's like a gender component to that. Do women complain about being single differently than maybe guys do? Because, um, and maybe it's my bit of like the echo chamber I'm in, but I feel like it's mostly female friends I find complaining about being single versus male friends. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is a gender thing because our minds have been like unwisely, I guess, conditioned to think that to be desirable, you need to be in a relationship, right? Um, and that's how you can fulfill some sort of like personal happiness. And for women, there's this huge emphasis on your values attached to being a wife, a mother, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really rare uh, to see a single woman who has done something with their career and has decided that I don't want to do this. Like I'm good on my own. A person that I'm always like, I look up to is like Tracy Ellis Ross, for example, who has taken on this like rich auntie energy, right? (laughs) She has like this like energy where she's just like, this is me. Like I, I did it. I got the career. I got the whole situation set up for myself and I'm content and I'm not falling into societal pressures of being a mom if I don't want to be a mom or being in a relationship if I don't want to. And I think that with age, especially with age, because looking back to myself in my early 20s, I did have a lot of pressure on myself to be like, okay, check off this list, right? You finished your undergrad, check. You need to get in a relationship that's serious that you can get married, check. Like these were all things that I was mentally aiming for. But if I was now 30 years old single, I don't know if I would actually be in a relationship, to be honest, just because I feel like there is a value um, added to being able to find that self-love. And I didn't truly get to explore self-love until just recently, like literally last two years, I started to really be like, well, who the hell am I? What do I like? How do I do this outside of like constantly cultivating a relationship? So I think it's like, a, I think it's a woman thing, um, not to be sexist or anything, but I feel like we're unfortunately pressured with this idea of like, we have to, it's selfish to, put ourselves before the idea of a family or put ourselves before uh, the idea of getting married. Like it's not something also culturally and religiously, I think too, that we're conditioned to think. The one thing is interesting. Sorry. Um, I was actually just at dinner a couple of nights ago with a friend and um, this friend has been in, been in some long distance relationship, two long distance relationships for a period of 10 years, right? So 10 years of their life in two separate long distance relationships that didn't work out. And as they were describing it, it was just so clear from their description that they had 
I guess, sacrifice so much to keep the relationship going, which may be another piece of that sort of has a, a gender component where you just spoke about societal pressures, maybe cultural or religious pressures to to not be single. But then I guess putting up with a relationship that's not necessarily working because it's better than being single again. No. And honestly, that's one thing I always say to my friends who are single. I always say like, I wouldn't you rather be set up with yourself, content with who you are, know what you're bringing to the relationship instead of having to discover that in the relationship and be extremely rocky throughout because you truly don't know who you are, right? And the sacrifices that people do put in, it's like careers, decisions, like you're basically making a decision for yourself and someone else. And it has to kind of come together in the sense of compromise. I feel like with being single, there's this level of kind of understanding who you are a bit more and understanding what you will take and what you won't take going into a relationship rather than just jumping the gun and being like, all right, this is it. Let's do it. And then just have like, two, three years of your life miserable because you're like, why aren't I meshing with this person? Because you're discovering yourself while you're fighting. You're like, oh, I'm mad at you because yeah. of this. Didn't realize I didn't like that. You know, so advice to younger me would be for sure. I mean, love my husband for sure. But I feel like if I knew myself better, our beginning of a relationship would have been so much smoother than the way it was because I literally was figuring out myself. Yeah. And it's sort of, um, I'll be self-critical a little bit because I think as we were prepping for this show, I thought about myself and I think this period of my life, I haven't been in a relationship for two years now, which I think is the longest I've ever been single for. Um, and I do think I attribute part of this to me just being a lot more comfortable with my own personal space and time and, and really enjoying my life. Um, but another part of it is also a bit of self-reflection and realizing that maybe in the past I've jumped out of one relationship and haven't given myself enough of a breather before jumping into another one. But I agree with you. I think it's, um, I guess sometimes it can be a scary thing, right? Where if you're not in a relationship, you're single and it, like you said, it's a, it's an opportunity to work on yourself, to, to better understand yourself, your likes, your dislikes. But for some people, I guess that can be a, a scary uh, proposition to, to, to have to deal with. No, for sure. And I think in the current generation of comparison, it's hard to be at this age and look at other people and be like, well, why do I not have what they have? Why am I not married yet? Why do I not have a partner or whoever? And I don't think social media makes it easy. I don't think the way we are now conditioned makes it easy. And it feels like a failure to a lot of people. And I think with this conversation, I think both of us can mutually agree that being single is not some sort of failure and that it's a really great opportunity for people to really explore themselves, know themselves before they jump into whatever they're trying to get into. Yeah. Um, I'm going to quote another another couple of sentences from the article. And, and this may be a bit of a, a shot at, at, at folks like Iman who are coupled up, but um, quote, um, people in couples are too threatened by the independence of, this, of the single to invite them around very often in case they are reminded of something they may have missed. So I think the article was trying to, to get the, at this observation where coupled couples or, or married folks, as a result of being in a, a relationship or a marriage, 
you, I guess everything about your life changes, your day-to-day -day interactions, but specifically here, it's how you interact with friends who are still single and, and maybe they don't get invited out as often. Maybe because and I, I see a little bit of this with myself in terms of outings with friends are much different now because I'm, especially with my uni friends, I'm probably the only one who's not married, the only one without kids. Um, so I'm curious on your end as a, as a coupled married person, um, do you find yourself doing any of this where maybe it's subconscious where you tend to invite out your non-single friends more to, to social gatherings? Quite opposite. Um, a lot of my friends are single. And so for me, it's, I welcome it only because they live the life that obviously I'm not living. So it's so much more enjoyable to hear their day-to-day -day activities and what they're getting into. But also I think there's something refreshing about being around single people um, that really pushes me sometimes to be like, you know what, H, we need to do more date nights or we need to do stuff that kind of get us out of this rut of being just like that old married couple with a bunch of single friends, you know? And so having single friends for me really pushes me to be like, okay, I can still live life and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have my best friend who I'm married to, to be like, all right, you're coming along with me. And I, I personally love being around single people because it's a lot of fun, but I can see what the article is saying. I definitely think that if you're not secure in your relationship and you are potentially having some rough spots, being around single people is definitely a threat in the sense of like, damn, what did I do? What did I sign up for? Um, which again, goes right back to the whole thing where if you're not sure about yourself and you're not content with yourself, right? You're looking at these other people being like, damn it, I wish I had your life. So mm, I, I disagree, respectfully disagree with the article. I, I like me some simple no. people. And um, you hung out, I, I you can... hung out with H and I. No, I was going to say, I was about to sort of <laughs> echo and, and confirm that. E e e e. You know what? Maybe this is me showing my age. I actually, I don't know if cap or no cap, which one means people are lying. I always get confused, but nonetheless. <laughs> when you say um, cap, but no, it's yes. a lie. So cap, so no cap, yes. What do you mind is saying is no cap. Thank you for bringing me up to 2021 slang. Um, Got you. But yeah, no, you, yeah, your your apartment's always a gathering place of, of just your friends, irrespective of their status. And like, I think, especially for you and H, you guys. I guess we'll get to this in the second half of the, the podcast, but um, objectively, you guys got married a bit younger. So it makes sense that a lot of your friends are also um, still single. So um, I guess that the last thing I'll say is, I guess this this article in terms of enjoy being single, get to know yourself. Um, yeah, make partnership and marriage choices from a position of, of power. It maybe feeds into... I think what I'm seeing a lot more on like social media in terms of memes is like, you know, on the first date, show me the invoice from your therapy sessions and things of that nature. Right. So really trying to, yeah, I've seen this in a few memes where people are like, you know, forget. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, forget, forget, show me like how much you make or, or things you're interested. Show me like invoice from your therapist before we like engage on a date. But I think that goes to, this recognition that people have to work on themselves. Um, and oftentimes your best position to work on yourself sort of independently when you're not um, having to deal with the real challenges of, of trying to build a healthy relationship, right? Those two things at the same time can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And I think it's interesting with like the millennial generation and the Gen Z's 
there's a huge emphasis on that self-care. And for me personally, self-care has become a bit too commodified, but there's also an aspect of it where it's like, you know, work on you. If that means going to therapy, which is not traditionally something a lot of East Africans do or were allowed to do. Like I, I think my dad mentioned therapy one time in my whole life and I was like, what the heck, you know what that means? Like, it's just not something that we are conditioned. Was he speaking positively or negatively about it? (laughs) negatively <laughs> negatively he was it was like a joke he was like what do you need therapy and i was like hmm maybe um, you offering to pay <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but it it's definitely it's just interesting i think that it's like it's cute like yeah show me your therapy bill let me see how many sessions like are you on like a good rapport with your therapist do you have her on speed dial like those are things that i think are hilarious that people are bringing up now because it really shows how important it is to come self-made like you're not coming to this relationship with your baggage and dumping it on another person and saying solve it you know you're working on it on your own and then you're coming fully completed and building an actual life with the person i think that's super dope would you ask a future partner Girl, show me your therapy sesh. Um, I don't know if it's something I would ask for, but I will say my my last relationship I was in, um, definitely conversations that we had and, and things that my partner was going through gave me the comfort to go explore that type of help, right? And I think part of it was just, I wonder if you would agree, I think the last three to five years, getting therapy has become normalized. And 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 to me, the biggest indicator of that is like the number of times I will be in like a professional setting, not even with colleagues. I'll be like at a conference or just people I've just met and it will come up like casual conversations. Like, oh, what should you do this weekend? I uh, had a, a session with my therapist, right? And five, five, six years ago, people wouldn't have said that as casually because it had sort of a, a negative connotation. So I think for me, I've been converted in terms of, of, of the value of that. I don't know if I'm at the point where it's like, it's now a prerequisite for, for, for me to date somebody is that it seems a bit presumptuous. It's like, even before I've gotten to know you, I know there's some fucked up problems you have. So are you getting those fixed? <laughs> You know, it's actually funny, like Erica Badu has um, her bag lady song. And I remember when I was younger, I used to sing it all the time. And you know, when you look back at lyrics and you're just like, damn, that was deep. Like literally her whole song was like, you're a bag lady. Like you have all this baggage that you're carrying with you into your relationships. And now to me, it's like, holy crap. Like that is the truth. A lot of relationships fail because of the baggage and that emphasis on throwing it onto another person. So I'm always in forever team therapy. I try to like recommend it to every single person. I think it's so important to go because I think the main thing that comes out of it is understanding who you are, but also understanding your boundaries, which is super important. But to segue into like the next part of our kind of discussion, uh, we did read another article too, which we will also attach in the podcast information below, but it was basically discussing slow love and does slow love have some benefits? So the millennial generation are opting for what biological anthropologist Helen Fisher calls slow love. And what that is, is that it's less dating, um, less intimacy, marrying much later than the generations before and younger generations appear to be following in that footsteps so out of curiosity i guess for you kareem with your friend group do you feel like your friends are participating in this like slow love thing where they're kind of 
getting to that point of like mid thirties, realizing, okay, I'm gonna settle down now. Like I'm good to go. What is it like for you guys? Yeah. So the part of this, the, 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 this New York times article that piqued my interest. So as you mentioned, it's sort of slow love is described as dating less, less intimacy, marrying much later uh, in life. And I definitely see the marrying much later in life. I, I see the less dating, the less intimacy part, I think sort of struck me as a bit surprising. And, and maybe this is, um, I think there's a lot of what we see on dating apps, social media, hookup culture, this, that. So it's sort of interesting, I guess, from the a numbers perspective, uh, objectively, that this generation is having less sex than previous generations or less intimacy. Um, so I found that interesting. I think in my friend circle, generally, I would say, yes, that description applies, especially the dating less and uh, marrying much later in life. I I think about the number of conversations I have with friends about dating in your, not just early thirties, we're now pushing mid thirties. <laughs> um, so I definitely see that. And I wonder if part of that is um, both on, on, for men and women is just our generation, whether it's, there's more activities that we can do to fulfill ourselves. Like I can imagine somebody in their mid twenties traveling, right. And consuming their life with, with travel. Right. And then you look up and it's your early to mid thirties and you're like, okay, maybe it's time to settle down. So I just feel like there are other interests or priorities, but I would say very much, um, that applies. What about you? Are you seeing, are you seeing, I guess the intentionality of slow love with your friends or is it like happenstance? Like people aren't purposefully trying to, to, to practice slow love, but are just sort of looking up and being like, damn, dating hasn't treated me while I'm in my thirties and single. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think it's more so people are like, oh, this hasn't worked out for me. I don't think it's a purposeful thing. I think it's them actively trying to figure out like, is this the right person? And then not working out and then them realizing, okay, I'm now entering like my early 20 or sorry, my early 30s. And this isn't really a thing. I think one thing from the article that was super interesting was the fact that they did mention that in 2018, the median age for first marriages was approaching 30. So they said 29 for men and 27 year old for women was around the ages of when people were having their first marriage. And now that I think about it, a lot of my friends who are married have actually gotten married around that age, um, which is super interesting as well, because there's like a decline, they said like five years um, delay in marriage in comparison to like the 1980s. So a part of it for me, when I was reading it, I thought about the fact that the people that I'm around are very career oriented. And a lot of them didn't want to pursue marriage until they had some sort of like stability in that realm, whether it was finishing their postgraduate or securing that job that made them feel comfortable, which kind of pushed it down to that 27 to 30 age range. Um, or even just people now developing that career and being like, okay, I'm 30, I'm ready, let me try and find somebody. So it's interesting. I think that, especially because we were first generation immigrants and education and career was so emphasized in our households that it's kind of put everything on the back burner and really made it been like, I need to be secure in that. And I think that's maybe, I don't know if you agree, but my analysis is like, I think that's why things are being pushed back aside because now that people are done, they're like, okay, it's open season. Did I use that? Is that a good sports yeah. reference? Yeah. It's okay. open season. I 
That seems like more of a pop culture reference than sports yeah. reference, but we'll, we'll give it. you a five out of 10. Um, yes. no, I, I agree. I think another part of it, what you're mentioning is just the reality. And I think I've seen this in other articles, but, um, I think our generation is going to have less, um, uh, financial wealth than the previous generation. We're graduating with lots of student debt, especially for our listeners who've gone to school in the States or who are American. Um, so I think to your point, I think that influences, those are drivers that influence why people are choosing to establish their careers or their financial position. And, and, uh, sort of hearing echo of my mom, just, you know, having grown up in a, in a, in a different generation, um, her, her, her mindset is, is often the other stuff will figure itself out, right? Find somebody to get married, have kids, and you guys will figure out the rest where I think our generation is, uh, I guess, a little bit more thoughtful uh, around the planning. Um, the other thing that was interesting in the article, another interesting stat, um, it said people who date three years or more before marrying have a 39% less likely uh, chance of divorcing. Um, compared to people who rush into marriages. So to be this, this one stat sort of put together the first part of our, our, our conversation around sort of being content and happy with being single, but then also, um, taking your time to find somebody and dating for three years. That's, I feel like when you get to 30 plus that I don't think, I don't, I don't know how practical or common or acceptable it would be in our communities. Um, I still recommend it. Personally, I still recommend it because it's definitely from that idea that you know who you're with, you know, like once you've been together for a certain amount of time, like the the way my mind works is the first year is the honeymoon phase slash you're starting to see the real person. Okay. The mask is peeling. A whole year. You're, a whole, a whole year. year. Yes. Six months okay. is the honeymoon phase. The other six months is the first layer of the mask is starting to peel off. Okay. Year two is where you're dealing with the mask person. You're like, okay, buddy, who are you? How does this work? Let's try and figure this out. So year two is a little bit bumpy. There's a, there's a lot of like good times, but it's still trying to figure out. And then the other part of the mask starts to peel off. And then you're walking into year three. By year three, there's no more bullshit. You like them or you don't like them. Personally, for me, I know, and I know a lot of our listeners are the same religious background as we are. I know it's not the most practical thing. I think you can do it within a, like a halal frame, try to, but I feel like I truly believe in this stat that waiting that time to truly know this person and seeing them through the ups and downs of whatever's going on in their life for that time span really can change the trajectory of your future because it can let you know like i want to be with this person or i don't want to be with this person and wouldn't you much rather go through that before marriage i don't know if i could deal with that in marriage i think it would make me go a little cuckoo i i guess maybe to re, re restate i'm very much in agreement in terms of the more you can date somebody get to know them before marriage the better I guess what I'm speaking to is like when you hit 30 plus, especially with considerations around wanting to start a family, um, this three years of dating, um, in practice, I think becomes a lot more challenging. Like it's, it's not uncommon that, um, women when they are sort of, at least from what I've seen from a few experiences and stories is like when it's 30 plus and they're dating, it's sort of just like at the six month clock, it's like, so are we getting married? <laughs> Which to me is like, 
crazy. And obviously, like I said, the, the, the stats and the data back that up. But um, yeah, it's scary. The one thing I'll add to this is it's something that um, for me, I've always had this vision where whoever it is that I settle down with, I want me and this person to be married for at least a couple of years before we introduce kids. Because to me, it's sort of like the introduction of kids drastically changes the dynamics in the household. And it's like, it's like an 18 to 20 year commitment in terms of like the priority shifts. And those early years of the marriage, um, you want to make them memorable and, and, and whatnot. So to me, it's like, I always think about that and adding, you add those years together in terms of recommendation to date for three years. You maybe want to be married for a couple of years before you have kids. Next thing you look up, you'd be like, damn, I got a lot of gray hair, man. I don't know. I mean, well, Janet had a baby at 50, so anything is possible, you know? I'm just saying. It, it, if there's a will, there's a way. And I I know, like, I'm speaking from a, an angle of privilege because I did get married younger and I did have a kid younger-ish. Um, but I definitely feel like you're right. Having a kid does change the dynamic. And especially if this is like a brand new situation where if it's like your timeline that you've said six months, you're married, and then you have a baby within like the next nine months, like it's a lot of change that is going on. So I can only imagine how challenging that would be for a new relationship. But I think there is like, there's some emphasis that needs to be put on really getting to know who you're signing up with. Because the person that you're going to have a child with is going to be completely different because they're bringing now their upbringing into the dynamic. So they're going to be parenting based on how they parented or they were parented, sorry. And if you don't know them inside and out properly and truly understand them, it can be tough. It can be tough. Mm -hmm. No, I hear you. The, the other angle in terms of slow love as a single person that I, I'm trying to get more comfortable, I guess, with and implementing as you age and i think i may have mentioned this in another podcast it's like for example i go to a social event on this coming weekend and i meet somebody else who is single looks interesting it's almost like instantaneously i'm required to pick and choose am i going to like engage with this person in in a sort of uh romantic sense and it's like this concept of slow love to me just allows you to get to know the person without having to jump into anything very quickly but again it's a bit of a maybe a bit of a privilege that depending on what your age is or, or, or other things may not be available but it's something that i'm personally trying to practice a lot more because i think historically in my past you meet somebody you 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 like a handful of things about them and the next thing i you're sort of in a relationship and, and and if it's not meant to work out you sort of exit but um rather than trying to go through those cycles of entering and exiting relationships just trying to take things with a slower pace and and get to the get to know this person um yeah when expectations are maybe not as high or or, or the the consequences aren't as bad if that makes sense no it absolutely does make sense and I don't know about you per se, but do you, I, this is a question that I just kind of was thinking about too, but how do you think the whole slow love um, concept in itself conflicts, I guess, with our cultural perspective? Because we kind of did touch on it, but how do you bring that to like Hoyo and Abo and say like, yeah, this is not happening right now. Like, give me some time, you know, like there's this emphasis, I guess, too, when you have a career put in place, you've done what you needed to do, they're kind of waiting on you and be like, okay, when is this going to happen? And if there is potentially someone, 
trying to be like, yeah, it's not going to happen within like the next few years. Like I got to figure it out. How do you think that plays into like the religious side and also the cultural side of having to explain that to the Dukes? My mom, for example, is uh, very consistent in reminding me that um, where I am in life, I only have one major life event left, which is to get married. So she's constantly reminding me. Um, yeah, I think on the religious piece, and I, I won't pretend to be the most knowledgeable in that area, but I, I can definitely imagine that um, if somebody was saying, oh, I'm looking at, you know, objective statistical data and saying that I should date somebody for three years before I marry them, um, it may not be practical depending on, on on how you choose to to practice your beliefs in faith. So I think that is sort of a, an obvious rub point. Um, there are are ways to to try and like you said make it halal but i think um my sense is keeping a relationship halal becomes more difficult with time right so doing it for six months is challenging doing it for three years is exponentially that much more more difficult so i do i do think it conflicts one thing that i've seen at least um i feel like somali parents are more open to not pushing their children towards marriage until they've completed their education Right. I think that's when the clock really starts. It's like you cross the stage on convocation and, and maybe there's different scale, different timelines for, for, for men and women. But I think at that point, this is like you said, a lot of uh, many of us being sort of first generation immigrants. Um, our parents came to certain countries for us to get a better education. So in their mind, it's sort of like that's still the priority. But the minute you cross the stage on convocation, then it's like, okay. I think this I, this concept of, of career and trying to build a career and trying to cr- climb the corporate ladder is something that is sort of a bit foreign to sort of the Somali culture. So I don't think our parents see, they see value in it, but I think at that point they prioritize family, marriage, kids. That's my sense. Yeah, I agree completely because I, re- I remember like I was married and then the following year, I was finishing my master's degree and I was already getting questions about, okay, so when is the little baby coming? And when do you plan on having a family? And it was just very funny to me because I was just like, this is so new. Like so many major things have just happened in my life and they're expecting it to be like, boom, 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 boom. So that they could like have, I guess, this like well-rounded child, you know, my child has finished her school. She's married. Now she has a kid. And like, it's this level of success in their mind that I feel like they're just like, okay, we did it. So I agree. I think it's, it's definitely a harder conversation to have, even if people are even able to have these conversations with their parents, because I don't think it's a cultural thing where you're telling your mom, like, I'm talking to somebody and this is what's happening. I think most people present it when it's like at the end of like, I'm getting married now, like this is so and so. But yeah, I just I, I find it interesting. I, I'm curious definitely to see how like my younger sister's generation, she's in Gen Z. And I'm just very curious to see how they play out when it comes to Are they both Gen Z? This- uh, I don't or, think or so. Or is e, middle... e is like on a, E is on the millennial line? Yes, E is on the millennial line. I is definitely a Gen Zer, and she. I joke around sometimes with her about like, oh, do you? Because she's starting to. Um, she's like in her final year of high school, and she's going to university next year. And I'm like, okay, like you're gonna get married soon, ha ha ha. And her reaction's like, ill. That's gross. And so for me, I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Like, I'm just curious to see like how her and her friends navigate this whole, like this change, right. They're going into undergrad. And I remember when I was entering undergrad, 
first two years, a lot of the people who were around me were really much like, okay, I'm going to get married soon. Like they were kind of like already their mind was out there. Like I got to find my person. Whereas with these Gen Zers, it seems like this is not even a priority for them. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's an interesting time to see how, I guess, love succeeds. If that is even a thing, like maybe there's going to be no more love songs, no more love movies in the next 10, 20 years. People are going to be like, that's so gross. <laughs> so that, that maybe as a final question on my end, I'm curious your perspective on this and you're sort of alluding to it there. Um, the, I guess the beauty of life is um, oftentimes there are unintended consequences, right? So the article sort of said that millennials are practicing slow love, getting married later, et cetera. And then Gen Z, like your, your younger sister, are um, uh, only increasing those trends. So I'm curious if you see any unintentional consequences for future generations looking at the next 50, 100 years, if this practice of slow love continues in terms of, like you said, maybe R&B music is just not going to be banging in the same in, in 20 years because everybody's practicing slow love. But I'm just curious from a societal perspective, if you think there are, I guess, unintentional consequences or, or, or negative uh, consequences as a result of this shift in society. I think it's going to be interesting because... Personally, I feel like I'm noticing a bit more, even with the music, where there isn't that, like, lovey-dovey the way it used to be with, like, Jodeci and, like, all the good old-time songs. And it's kind of like, let's have a moment. I mean, situationship was a thing for a while. I mean, that was, like, a term everyone was like, yeah, everyone has situationship. So for me, I think there's definitely going to be this pivot where there's going to be less of an emphasis on the traditional expectations of that whole marriage structure, um, having children. I think it will depend on cultural and religious backgrounds for sure. But I think mainstream society is definitely going to take a step back on that whole idea of like glamorizing celebrities and people who are getting married. Like, I don't think we're going to see wedding pictures the way we used to see it before. I don't think people are going to care. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's, it's slowly starting to happen. And I can only imagine what the next, like for my daughter, I don't even, I can't even, fathom what her world's going to look like when she's going to come to me with this kind of conversation because I don't I have no clue but I just I think with the way the pattern is going it's it's starting to do like a slow halt where it's not slow love it's like molten lava movement of love do you like yeah. that? yeah yeah, I like that. One. I like that. Yeah, no, I, I just for a minute there I was like trying to picture <laughs> what what dating is going to be like in twenty years when you're when yeah, your daughter right? uh, it's it's you, oh I just hope it's 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 less than 5% of what we see in shows like Black Mirror and all these other creepy shows. Oh, of like my micro God. Yeah, like, you know, some of that's going to come true. But, like, let's try and keep that under 5% because, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we've kind of, like, wrapped it up. And I we do have, like, a listener question, which I think is interesting that ties into this discussion a bit. So if you're cool with it, I'm going to transition over to that if that's cool. Let's do it. Listener line time. All right. So this one here comes in from a guy. What should we call him? Um, we will call him Mukhtar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Mukhtar has been in a relationship um, with a girl. What do we want to call the girl? Ooh, let's call her um, Hoden. Okay. <laughs> 
So Mukhtar and Haldan have been in a relationship for a, um, a little under a year. And Mukhtar has noticed as of lately, Haldan has been pre- predominantly only talking about problems in her life. Um, every little problem, every little inconvenience, she goes to him, talks to him about it, doesn't really seem to engage with him about his life, but it seems to be just this emphasis of her problems. Um, and it seems in his words, very superficial. Um, when he does try to like interject his bits and tidbits of his life, she doesn't seem as genuinely interested in it and kind of reverts back to what her situation is and what she's going through. Mokhtar says that he's not a talkative person and after listening to her problems, he tends to feel burnt out and doesn't really feel like talking much after that because it just seems to be her world and all about her. He's saying that like as of late, he's been getting a little bit frustrated with her and has approached her about it and she's kind of brushed it off. And so he's basically asking, what should he do about this? He doesn't seem like it doesn't seem to him that she's going to stop telling him about her problems and sharing her personal life with him to the point where she's like aware that it's burning him out and he's just tired of it. So how do you approach this when your partner just talks about them, 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 and that's it? Um, poor McTar. Um, the struggles of dating. No, um, <laughs> this is to me is almost like the beauty, like as you, the beauty of dating, right? Because if he's been dating her for less than a year and he's already growing tired of how she communicates with him and, and, and dumps all of her problems, I'm like, your marriage is... A lifetime commitment. That's many more decades of, of this similar treatment, right? So um shout out to Mukhtar for communicating with uh Hoden and telling her that this is a problem, step one. Um yeah, I, I think this is difficult. For me, on one side, there's a beauty that she feels comfortable with him, right? To be able to divulge her her intimate fears, thoughts, concerns, things that are going through going happening with her in her life so it's an indication that she's comfortable with him um it's not a good look that um she's not asking about him right it's sort of that can lead to one party in the partnership feeling like they're they're giving more to the relationship than they're receiving back in terms of pouring more love into a person than receiving so you know i would encourage him to try and have another conversation with her and if it's something that um she brushes off again and it's something that bothers him to the extent it seems to be bothering him like if you can't deal with it for 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 12 months it's going to be very difficult to deal with for 30 or 40 years what about you that's hilarious no i completely agree with everything i don't really know if there's anything more to add to that because it does feel like you know it is true it's cute and nice that she's coming to you and talking to you about her issues but if it feels like it's a one-sided thing and that she's not interested or doesn't seem to care about what's going on in your life maybe the relationship is not serving you the way it's serving her and i mean having another conversation is great talking to her about it maybe even just trying to emphasize the impact of her constantly dumping onto you and how that might affect you and if she doesn't seem to receive that then i think the ball is in your court to do what you feel is best because i mean it is less than a year i mean maybe even throw in therapy maybe this would be something that she could talk to her therapist to instead of you but it really does feel like this is kind of what i was talking about with the baggage thing it's like 
you bring stuff into the relationship that you're in and then you expect them to receive it the way you expect in your mind and it doesn't happen that way and there's no real consideration for the other person and what that does to them because again listening to problems all day every day is not ideal so i i would say talk to her tell her how you feel recommend therapy help her find a therapist if she's not open to it then i mean i don't want to say break up with her but it, it it sounds like you said break up with her. Um, but Iman <laughs> has has voted to break up. Kareem has said, you know, try try to hit one more jump shot, bring it up with her again, and if if it misses, then I will gladly welcome Mukhtar back to the the single guy club, and, and we'll make the most of it. <laughs> well, with that being said, thank you, Mukhtar, for sending in your question for advice i hope we gave you some good advice and as we said please send in your stories experiences to our email this is shifttalk at gmail.com we will always leave that information in our podcast bio for you but i mean i had a great time talking to you about this stuff i think this is it was a cool discussion i think slow love i'm team slow love i think this is another t-shirt that needs to be made um i think people should definitely join the bandwagon for sure It was great chatting. Till next time. Take care, everybody. Bye.